Okay. So this morning, maybe let me take you through a brief recap. Let me try to tell you what, what I was aiming at getting you at when I was teaching you the first part of the mountain series. The aim was to show you, first I showed you that the Bible is full of revelation. So before we could do that, I had to define revelation. And that's why we had a sermon on epignosis, which has to do with knowledge that's beyond head knowledge. You know that you know. Who's ever known that they know? Like, it's a knowledge that's beyond knowing. Like, it's a knowledge above head knowledge. I remember one time, I was with, I think I was with Mavis. Maybe Christina was there as well, because usually when I would meet one, I would meet the other. Do you remember the time you brought that girl who, whose ear was deaf because it was burnt? Yeah, there was a girl whose ear became deaf in a fire. And so I'm praying for her, nothing was happening. Then there was a moment the anointing hit. I knew that I knew. I said, bring her here. Touched her on the ground, ear open. It's a knowledge that's beyond knowledge. Okay? And perhaps we'll take time to learn more on that. But after showing you that, the aspect of epignosis, it became easier for us to see now that the mountain of God, which was described in the Old Testament as physical, was actually a shadow of a spiritual thing that we all were going to come to the mountain of God. So when we say we have come to Mount Zion, we mean we have come to where God is. It's, it's our theme scripture as a church. We have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Like, that's where we've come to. That's where we are. And so my aim of teaching now was to show you that you don't have to stay at the bottom of the mountain. You can climb up. Because unlike the Old Testament, this time you're welcome. In the Old Testament, you needed a lot of rules. You needed to be perfect to climb up the mountain. But in the New Testament, what God has done is that he's put the blood of Jesus on you. And you can come to the mountain and be perfected from there. But I showed you that to climb up, you needed to deal with sin and weight. So get rid of sin, get rid of weights. Get rid of, uh, just get rid of sin and get rid of weights because they ensnare you. We had that time when the arts interrupted me, right? Then we went on to look at how you need to deal with your foundations. The mountain starts with foundational levels. You need to deal with aspects like repentance, things like the doctrines of baptism, things like eternal judgment, things like resurrection from the dead. All those things are basics that you need to ensure you have dealt with. When you deal with the foundation, you begin to go up. And I showed you a few things that are found up. I showed you how as you go up, you get to learn about spiritual gifts. You become relevant to other people in the body of Christ. You're not fulfilling your assignment as a believer if it's all about you. You need to become relevant to the body of Christ. Then we went on to see that gifts are not where it ends. There is a more excellent way. And that's where we talked about love. And in love, we divided it in two parts. The first part is unwavering devotion towards God. And the second part is where you love each other. That's a summary of the mountain series so far. In other nations, 
they clap. Glory to God. So now I'm focusing the series another way. And we pick up where we left off. So today's sermon is entitled, The Return from the Mountain. The Return from the Mountain. A few years ago, I think two, I wrote a book called The Return from the Mountain. How many of you have read it? How many of you have never read The Return from the Mountain? Lift your hands. Those who are not lifting your hands for any of the questions, lift your hands. How many would like us to repeat to reprint The Return from the Mountain? Lift your hands. Okay, we'll think about it. It's one of my deepest books. For some reason, of all the books I've done, it's one of the least, I think it's the least selling book. You guys, you don't like deep things. And which one has sold the most? It's a competition between the faithful man and uh, friend for another dimension. But no, in this city, we like deep things. Eh? It's one of my most revelatory books. There are times I just sit down and just read it. I'm like, wow, some interesting stuff. And so, I think after I explain a few things, you want the book. So I'm teaching on the return from the mountain. And there are a few things I have to mention. Firstly, when I talk about the return from the mountain, it's a very... I'm using poetic language, so you have to get me. Okay? There is a term that became famous some years ago. I may not fully agree with it due to my understanding, but I understand why the term was used. And they would tell people saying, do not become so heavenly minded that you become earthly useless. I understand why they would say that. Though I've come to understand that if you are truly heavenly minded, you'll be very relevant on earth. But what they were trying to say is this. There was a bunch of people, a bunch of Because people have been waiting for the return of Jesus and, you know, for him, he said a day is like a thousand. A thousand is like a day. Glory to God. So look, you should always have hope that Jesus will come back today. But leave us all... How can I put it? Have hope that he'll come back today. But please, let there be a plan for tomorrow in case it takes an extra day. <laughs> so what used to happen is... There are many generations where people would calculate the return of Jesus. There was a group called, is it the Milanites? They calculated Jesus is coming back on this day. They even had a specific date. I've just forgotten the date. Is it 44? Eh? Is it 1844? Eh? They calculated that's the day Jesus is coming. Oh, God, he didn't come. And so people would sell everything. Then they would gather in a place. Then they would wait. Duh, nothing happens. They hear it shaking. It's a garbage truck on the other side. 
Am I the only one who, when I was young, I thought Jesus came back? Like, I thought the rapture happened. Like, you wake up, you don't find anyone. And then you start, somebody, anybody. <laughs> Wait, I'm not, am I the only one who thought rapture had happened and I remained behind? You also thought that, eh? So now, there are a lot of people who would just sit and they are waiting for until the day Jesus comes. There are people who've had experiences with God. I remember when I first started experiencing God, eh, there was a period which was, I like to call it a mountain experience, where we are going to it soon. There's a period where I was experiencing God a certain way every day. Have you ever heard of those things where somebody is trying to wake up but they're struggling because they're choking or something? I think they call it sleep paralysis. In Africa, we know it's not sleep paralysis. We know, anyway. All over This is Africa. Hallelujah. We know. Africa. I know cases where you're praying for someone, they tell you they had a dream. In the dream, someone came with a big thing and hit their head. They woke up with a migraine headache and they had it for six months or something. I, I, I know cases where someone dreamt that they stepped on something. Before you know it, their leg is broken. In Africa, we know what's the... <laughs> Glory to God. No, I, you can't be an African preacher. You don't know how to deal with devils. Not here. Glory to God. <laughs> Some of these people in these nations, what they think they don't have, they'll be shocked when we go visit them. Tell them, lift your hands. Fire. Ah, what's happening to me? <laughs> okay, somebody say glory. What was I even talking about? You know that thing that people experience, which is like sleep paralysis, eh? I used to experience it, but differently. For a period of time, I would wake up in the morning and there would be angels in the room. And I couldn't move. I remember one day, like sometimes when I think about how it was, and I'm like, friend, what was wrong with you? I remember one morning waking up. And the room was filled with the glory of God. And I could tell there were angels there. And me, I wanted to sleep. I'm like, ah, they're here again. And I just turned the other side. And I'm like, Fred, come on. But it was a season of a lot of encounters. Let me tell you what that season did to me. Number one, I lost focus on everything else. As far as I was concerned, everything else now just felt a little, nothing really felt useful. Honestly, nothing felt useful. Like everything just felt. Yeah, I just wanted to go to. I, I just wanted to go to heaven. Like sometimes you wake up in the morning, Lord, why aren't you taking me today? Like I just wanted heaven. Nothing felt important. Nothing was important. Nothing. Then I had to return from the mountain. 
you follow me shortly the mountain is the place of encounter it's the place of encountering god i want you to think about this when moses delivered the israelites from egypt the first place he took them to was the mountain of god so they could encounter god question was their destiny on the mountain of god no was their destiny on mount sinai no it was in the promised land but the reason why they were having all those encounters on mount sinai is so that by so that they can develop faith and with that faith they can defeat the giants who are occupying the promised land this next part of the sermon series will challenge you it will challenge you to the very core of your being and will show you that as a body of christ we have to be relevant on this earth somebody say glory to god say it one more time listen we've got work to do we'll go there soon we've got work to do um pastor Tolle wrote a book free yourself from the dream killer there's something he said in the book he said if god designed man to be on earth to just pray he would have put him in a temple not a garden there is work there is work there is work to do If I'm in one of those crazy moods, one of these days of this series, I'll tell all of you to come here in work suits. Hallelujah. So that you all realize there's work. Turn your neighbor and say, there's work to do. Tell them again, there's work to do. So let me share a few things about the mountain experience. The mountain is the place where you encounter God. And so I want to explain what happens when a person has a mountain experience. When you understand this, you understand why you can have two believers, but they are seeing life in a different way. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Luke 9, verse 28. All oh, you guys are going to grow after this. My goodness. Annie, don't you think so? Are you ready to grow? Are you ready? Are you ready? What's your name? Daniel, are you ready? What's your name? Walia. Florence, right? Tizia. Remind me. Tracy, good to see you. I'll come for you guys the other week. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. So Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. First thing you should know about the mountain experience is that when God wants to give you a higher level of encounter, he separates you. Think about this. Jesus had 12 disciples at this time, 12 main disciples. But we know that apart from the 12, there were also 70. We also know that even from the 70, there were about 500. And we know that from the 500, there were the multitudes. But Jesus took Peter, he took John, and he took James, and he went up on the mountain to pray. Listen to me. 
if you are going to be one of those people whose standard of Christianity is set by what you see from neighbor one and neighbor two, then you will not reach certain heights of encounter with God. If you are going to be one of those, everyone is doing it. There are some people who celebrate when they hear a pastor did something wrong. Some celebrate, I don't know, they are filled with such joy. And the reason is because they feel justified that they are not alone. Notice it was a separation. If you want to encounter God, get ready for people to not understand you. It was a separation. You can be in the same house, have the same brother and sister. But you find that there's a period where it's almost like a separation. I'm not saying isolation because isolation is different. I'm talking about separation. I mean it's where there's something you're experiencing which is different from what they're experiencing. You can be reading the same Bible but you're seeing certain things differently because you've been separated. As a matter of fact, to be anointed is to be set apart, separated and appointed for God's work. So it's a separation. It's a separation. So he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. It's a separation. It's where the whole church prays at this time, but you decide to go yonder. You decide to go further. It's a separation. The fact is, even in this church, not everyone is at the same level of encounter with God. Not everyone's at the same level. Not everyone is thinking what is the right thing to do. Some people are thinking, okay, how bad is this on a scale of 1 to 10? Not everyone is thinking the same way. It's a separation. And that's why <laughs> there are some people, <laughs> it happens in a funny way. Sometimes you find here are two people, they've been dating four years. Maybe they're even both Christians. Then one of them starts having a mountain experience. For a while, it's almost as if they wonder, is this the same person who I asked out? Sometimes you can find people, a husband and wife, they've been married 15 years. Then God separates one. He, he begins to, there's a way he begins to nature one, such that even the one living with them sometimes struggles to understand them. They are struggling to understand why is this person always waking up at 03 to pray? There are some who are listening to me right now and your friends, they just can't understand why are you at church every week? Why are you every week? You're not fun anymore. Hey, Shanchal. Because for you, when you're thinking about having fun, you're thinking of, ha, let me go to church to sweep. And they're thinking, what? You are choosing going to church to sweep over chills? It's a separation. It's a separation. Sometimes in this period of separation, even things you used to enjoy, you might struggle to enjoy them. Sometimes. Please note, I'm not saying always. Sometimes. It's a separation. So that's the first thing about a mountain experience. You are separated. Abraham was separated from uh, some of the people. The fact is, I, I can give you a personal example. There are certain people I was friends with who there is nothing wrong with them. I don't think they have a problem. 
we just have nothing to talk about. I was separated a long time ago. And for me, when I meet someone, now my discussions are, so what do you think of this? this? What about that revelation? And then that one, and then that one. And there are some who, when we meet, we cannot talk beyond football. And right now, that's not even a very interesting topic to talk about due to personal reasons. Although my team won 2-1 uh, yesterday, Marilyn Pjanic scored uh, the winner. Um, it was a very tough game, and CRR 701 scored uh, the, f the, the first goal. So we won. So at least it was a pray for me. Hallelujah. Just pray for me. Just keep me in your prayers. Anyways, what are we talking about? It's a separation. Sometimes you even stop watching the teams you used to watch, you switch to other teams. It's a separation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a separation. Listen to me. Uh, how many of you here are, okay, a number of you lift your hands. Some of you are in your university days and whatnot. I'll tell you this. You never make impact if you are trying to be cool. Never. Some people, the only reason God can't use you, you've got too much of a reputation and you care too much about it. You're too cool. Such that if we give you to lead prayers, you're afraid of how people see me, if I'm overshouting, if I'm doing it. Too cool, too cool, too cool. It's a separation. Too cool. You don't want to look too spiritual. So he, so he took Peter, John, <laughs> too cool. Huh? Some of the gentlemen here, you know that your, your market will go down if you ever start talking about God. That's why you're not being used by God. You're too cool. Why do you want to have all that market? For what? Why can't you leave it for the other gentlemen who are struggling to have market? Hallelujah. Too cool. And it's interesting. Here's my question for you. It's a personal challenge. It's something I think about as well. Of everything that's there concerning you, what would you like people to know the most about you? If anyone was to describe you, what would you want for to be the first thing they describe you as? What's your pride in? What are you most confident about? What are you most proud of? Do you want to be known as ah, that person who's so intelligent? Nothing wrong with being known as intelligent. But if that's your aim, that every person you ever meet in life will know you as intelligent. Praise God. You want to be known as that person whose makeup is always on point. Nothing wrong with your makeup always being on point. But if that's your aim in life, if that's all, like when people are having a discussion about you, if that's the first thing they describe you as, then maybe you've not marketed yourself well. No, maybe you've not. There's the way Jesus was marketed. You know how he was marketed? The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth 
with the Holy Ghost and power that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Sometimes some of the reasons we tell you to post the church flyers is because we're trying to market you as a spiritual one. You find someone, you go through their pains, they've I don't know how many memes, useless, some of them, useless memes they've posted. And they can't post a simple church flyer. So they don't mind the whole world looking at a bad joke. Some of their jokes are horrible. What are you known for? What are you known as? Can people sit down and say, Oh, Nandwe, that godly young lady. Then they can go on. Who's also doing so well in high academics? And she's a great public. Is that what they can know you for? Of course, people may know you from different platforms. But if a person got to know you, will they know of your godliness? Is your light shining? The Bible says, let your light shine. Let the whole world see that your light is shining. Why should you light a candle and put it under a table? Come on, guys. When you're busy introducing yourselves to each other, tell me about yourself. Hey, Shani, my hobbies are Shani, Shani, Shani. Nothing. As in, someone has had 10 conversations with you, they can't tell you're spiritual. Clara, wouldn't you be, like to be known as that devoted believer who's also a doctor? Is that how you'd like to be known? The separation. Where even in your family, when they're having family meetings, when they say, Who will give us the opening prayer? All eyes should turn to you. You should be the one who they know. Who you, I know, Pastor, I'm opening prayer and whatnot. Hallelujah. But guess what? We are raising to a level. First, when they say, Who will give the opening prayer? All eyes turn to you. Afterwards, they say, who is going to donate the most money for these projects? All eyes turn to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, no. We are not just known for opening prayers. First, we are known for opening prayers. But you know what else we are known for? Solving issues. That's why we are dealing with this topic. But first things first, you have to seek first the kingdom of God. Come on, my friend. The for some people, listen, I keep emphasizing this point. Some of the reason why you're not going further in your spiritual life, you're just too cool. You just care too much. Okay, so Peter, John, and James went up on the mountain to pray. Uh huh. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. Before that, Go back to the first verse. I've told you number one about the mountain experience is the separation. Number two, they went up on a mountain. It's above the average norm of Christianity. It's above the average trend. Listen, there is an average Christianity that most people know. It's that average one where, you know, you believe in God. You wake up in the morning. You say a prayer about God protecting your day. Um, you might remember him at lunchtime as you pray for your food, and then you say good night to him when sleeping. I don't think, ah, come on, it's it's so average. You attend church service sometimes once a month, sometimes twice a month, some even every week. And when you attend church, you, you know you put on a nice dress, uh, some nice clothes, and when the pastor is preaching, you do this. 
you write down one or two notes that you don't read and then afterwards you go back and continue your... so boring no wonder people are backsliding so boring it's so average but when you have a mountain experience it's above the average trend of Christianity that's why you find Christians can find you strange like can we meet at 12? No, no, no. I'll be in prayer. Uh, we're doing a prayer chain, so that's my hour for praying. Hey? You find you come and say, the Lord was speaking. Other people will be like, yeah? Because for them, they know speaking to God. They don't know the Lord was speaking. I saw a vision. What did you see? How did you see it? It's above the average trend. A person with a mountain experience a mountain is up, so they are above. You see, what's at the bottom and what's on top are not the same. So you've got a different understanding of things. While everyone is busy walking about thinking, oh, we are all sinners. So let's just, you know, we are all... You, 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 you when they hear, you're like, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's no spot or wrinkle on me. Why? There are things you know that they don't. You've gone above the average of what they think. I don't participate in most arguments because most people, their thoughts are so shallow. They are so unbiblical. I've seen too many unbiblical thoughts. So many unbiblical ones. So unbiblical and contextual thoughts. Hallelujah. It's above average Christianity. I've got a question for you. Are you above sea level? Hallelujah. Actually, when it comes to... Have you gone deep in the waters? Have you gone deep? Remember in the book of Ezekiel? Remember we even did a sermon on that. Where we are shown how the water was first on the ankles, then it was on the knees, then it was on the waist, until it covered him completely, and he went under, <laughs> hallelujah, and the water was over his head. Do you know that when you study the ocean, something interesting I can tell you about the ocean is this. Do you know that about 95% of the ocean is yet to be discovered? Because it's so deep. And where it is, there are certain levels of the ocean that the sun, the sun's rays do not even go to. It's dark there. Only certain creatures are there. That's what I'm trying to say. How deep have you gone? Where you begin to gain access to knowledge that's not so common among many. That's why others may not fully understand you. So number one, the mountain experience you are separated Number two, it's above the average Christianity. You live above what the average Christian lives like. Come on. If the average Christian prays 10 minutes a day, you pray 40. It's above average. It's above average. Now here's the next one. Let's go. Next verse. Is somebody following? Wave your hand if you're following. Come on, put your hands in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. Okay. As he prayed, oh my goodness, oh Lord, Jesus, 
please, may they understand this one. Open their eyes. As he prayed, can you imagine they were watching Jesus pray? Hey! And look at this. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. And his robe became white and glistening. What am I trying to say? The way they saw Jesus was different from the way other people had seen him before. There is a Jesus they knew. They got to see Jesus transfigured. They got to see Jesus in his glory. Oh, I hope you've got it that one. Think about this. These guys knew Jesus. They had seen Jesus do all these things. They had seen him uh, walk upon the sea. They had seen him raise the dead and see him do all those things. But when he took them to the mountain, there is a way they saw him. There is a way they saw him. And I can assure you, they never forgot who were the three who were carried. It was Peter, James, and John, right? You notice that Peter, James, and John, afterwards, these guys were among the toughest believers. James died the death of a martyr. I think it's his, the, after Stephen, he's one of the first martyrs, right? James was killed by Herod. Peter also died the death of a martyr, but this guy was a, pat, the guy was a serious patriarch. There's a way he stood for Jesus. If it's John, history has it that for John, he was thrown in acid and he didn't die. So they were so upset, they removed his eyes and banished him on an island. And on that island, he wrote the book of Revelations. And in the book of Revelations, he kept saying, I saw, I saw, I saw. That's a man with no eyes. Hallelujah. <laughs> and still in the book of Revelations, when he encountered Jesus, he fell on his feet as though dead. Listen. There are levels of knowing Jesus. There are realms of knowing Jesus. You can have a deeper look at him. He can get transfigured before your eyes. And the good thing is that when you see a higher revelation of Jesus, you also get transformed. Let me show you. Give me 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. And give me verse 17. Is it? 17 says the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18. Look at this. But we all, with unveiled face, we don't have a veil anymore, go, go listen to the sermon of the tabernacle. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, 2016, you had this level of glory. Then, give it from the Amplified. We all... Uh-huh. With unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So as we experience the glory of God, what happens? If you experience the glory of God this Sunday, then your level of your likeness to Jesus increases. So you find if someone met you two years ago and they meet you today, you may have been a very powerful believer then. But there is a way you've encountered God that if they are to meet you two years after, you're more like Jesus than you were two years before. There is a way you just love like Jesus. There is a way God uses you like Jesus. And then, 
someone meets you again two years later and they feel like they're talking to a different man there's just the way you've grown to love like jesus there's just the way you, you god uses you like jesus they meet you another one year later it's almost as if they're talking to a different person because as you continue to see him you become like him back to the mountain experience look nine what am i trying to say on the mountain experience you see jesus differently from everybody else that's why we can be we can be here today and we are singing you are great yes you are holy one and for someone they're like oh my god same lyrics walked upon the sea another person it's 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 spiritual knowledge it's become spirit it's making spiritual sense to them it's beyond head knowledge it's a big gnosis they've caught it i don't know if you're getting my point and once they've caught it they've learned to guard it you are great for them it, it it means a lot i'll never forget the day the day i was i was home and I found myself, I think I was playing the guitar and I was thinking and I was singing, Jesus love is very wonderful. And it's a song in my head that's always been a Sunday school song. And I hope no one was watching because I found myself so high. I can't get over it. So. It's it's where you see Jesus differently from everyone else. So don't be surprised. If you can be in the same place, having the same meeting, you have the same friends, you've even forwarded to them the scriptures that have changed your life, but somehow you're seeing them differently from them. It's because you're having an experience that's higher. And to be, to be honest, you know the best you can do? Pray for them. Keep sharing, but pray for them. There are some people even just in this place who have, let's say, known for a while, you find, you know the day they caught it. You know the period they began to catch it. The others you're praying for. But nevertheless, you know the day they caught it. You know the day this one, the day this one just decided to. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There are certain spiritual things you used to shun. All of a sudden, those are the ones you like. For example, I never liked and let me not say it, I might offend someone. Should I say it? When growing up in the faith, I never liked intercession. <laughs> I used to think intercessors. <laughs> Within a short period, so I would even pick what time to come to church so that I can miss intercession. Then I liked praise because of the dancing, worship. Yeah. I'll start looking forward to the sermon. But you know what? Right now, almost, should I say, the majority of my prayer life is intercession. Suddenly, I, I love worship. Who's ever been there? Stop pretending. Who's ever been there? There's a day. There's a day. There's a day you've caught it. Lots of. There's just a day. You understand certain people who you saw as strange. You saw them as, this person is so weird. All of a sudden, that's the person who you want to be your best friend because you admire the way they pray. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you that person? 
What have they said? Some of you just open up and say, no, in the first days. Ah, I used to think, Uyunayo, I'm a vipanga. Ah, Chongo, do you remember when you caught it? When did you catch it? It's been a while, eh? Okay. Okay. So he, the, the appearance of his face was altered. His robe became white and glistening. Uh huh. Let's go on. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah. Next thing about the mountain experience, it's mysterious. Can you imagine? Jesus says, let's go pray. You're watching Jesus. All of a sudden, his face changes. Before you know it, Moses and Elijah have appeared. What's that? Haven't you noticed when people start growing in the spirit, they start becoming a bit strange. Some of the things they start talking about. No. Last night as I was praying, uh, there's a mantle that I received. The mantle of fire. Is somebody getting my point? Suddenly they start saying, no, you know, the glory, the shiny, the blood, the what, the what, the what. It becomes mysterious. The world cannot understand it. There are certain things which, if people were to hear me, they would say, very good speaker. But there are some things which I say, which I would say very weird. Where you come and say, no, no, uh, last night there was this encounter. Um, there was a message that came from God. And he sent three angelic beings. It's mysterious. It's not common. Let's go on. What have you learned about the mountain experience over? Number one, it's a separation. Number two, it's above the average Christianity. Number three, there's a way you see Jesus. Number four, it's mysterious. Uh -huh. And they appeared in glory and spoke of his disease, which he was about to accomplish in, in Jerusalem. Uh -huh. Next. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. Who's ever been heavy with sleep? You want to study? Anyways. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Next verse. Then it happened as they were parting from him. Listen to me, this is where the revelation of the return from the mountain comes from. As they were parting with him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Someone said it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Question, was this request answered? No. Do you know what Peter forgot? How many of you are aware that Peter had a wife? One of Jesus' first miracles was healing Peter's mother-in-law. That shows you Peter had a wife. Even the Apostle Paul, didn't he say, don't we have the right to take from among us a believing sister as a wife, just like Peter and the other apostles? So Peter had a wife. Probably had children. But when he was having his mountain experience, Peter forgot he had a wife. He forgot all those things. He said, let's just live here. What's wrong with him? He says, let's just live here in the glory. 
There are some people who maybe are having a mountain experience. You keep experiencing the power of God, the joy of God. You've just, you even, you just want to pray all day. You've forgotten you've got a CA. Like, even make sure on purpose you sing songs like, then you remember all those people who rejected your proposal. Hallelujah. And you make sure in worship, like, and, and you know, especially for those who are students, school has got a way of reminding you, don't you think so? Yeah, in a service, then it reminds you you've got a test tomorrow. You make sure you sing the loudest. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, my dear brother and sister, the Lord did not grant this request. As a matter of fact, when you read it from Mark, from Mark's gospel, when they came down, do you know the first thing they found? They found the other disciples failing to cast out a demon. What am I trying to say? You have to return from the mountain. You can't spend your whole life in an experience. You can't spend your whole life in an encounter. You become irrelevant on earth. Now listen to me. Peter made a request saying, let's pitch a tent here. But God had better ideas. God's idea was, okay, instead of pitching a tent here, why don't I put this mountain in you? Do you know that this encounter never left Peter? Can I show you how? He may have left the encounter, but the encounter never left him. Look at 2 Peter 1 verse 16. I want you to see this. Then we'll go somewhere. 2 Peter 1 verse 16. Where would I be? For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. Are you following but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Uh-huh. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. What is he remembering? The mountain. Next verse. And we heard this voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. What am I trying to say? He may have left the encounter, but the encounter never left him. Those visions you've seen, those experiences you've had, you may not be seeing them today, but they never have to leave you. They've become a part of you. But you know something? Your destiny is on the earth. Your destiny is not on the mountain of transfiguration. Your destiny is when you come down. The reason you are taken to that mountain of transfiguration is because God wants you to approach your destiny with the power of God and not with earthly wisdom. He wants you to have confidence. 
it's somewhat bigger it's somewhat greater but listen to me there's an earth that we have to dominate so if we decide to just be this spiritual club as a church that just comes here and just enjoys God and let's just find a way to spend um, of course there are times of refreshment but let's just do this let's just make it let's just find a way to have uh, church service every day from eight hours to 20 hours and the whole day would just be enjoying the glory and having encounters and seeing visions would be useless strong eh would be useless it means we'll not be achieving the purpose what am I trying to say God has got an assignment for us but the majority of us are spending all our days on the mountain that's why when we come back we are finding that Aaron has built for the people an idol let me say that again the problem with some of us here is the thing. We are spending 40 days and nights on the mountain with God for the sake of the people. Then when we come back from the mountain, we find that the Aaron who we left in charge has built for the people a golden calf. And the same people you are spending 40 days and nights for are now worshipping a cow. What am I trying to say? We are forgetting that our assignment has to do with the earth our assignment has to do with the earth our assignment has to do with the systems on earth it has to do with the people on earth we've got work to do tell your neighbor we have work here another one we have work okay now let me leave you with a few thoughts which will I want to leave you with a few thoughts which will which will be a build up for next week because next week we're looking at the mountain of earth climbing it Give me the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. So in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh -huh. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done what? As it is. So why does God show you heaven? Read that again. Your will be what? So why does God show you heaven? No, you're not answering me. Read it one more time. Come on, can we read at the same time? One, two, go. Okay, in a minute, explain to your neighbor why you think if, in light of this scripture, why does God show us things of heaven? Why does God teach us the culture of heaven? 
those who are not discussing, I'll come discuss with you. If you don't have a neighbor, force someone to be your neighbor. You don't have a neighbor. Sophie, she's now your neighbor. This one is my neighbor. So yes, what, what do you think is the reason? You're too quiet. What do you think is the reason? Can I be very honest with you? Hold on. Have you ever heard? I, I really don't mean to. By the way, when you hear me say, have you ever heard some... Remember what I taught about the lesser truth and the higher truth? Sometimes when you go higher, you realize some things are for a lower level. Have you ever heard people say the acronym for Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth? It bothers me. Are you telling me it's not relevant for dominating the earth? The scriptures are there so we can dominate the earth. Do not have a mindset of let's just sit and then one day we'll go to the sweet by and by. We've got work to do on this earth. God has always desired that the earth should be colonized and should be like heaven. So I should use them where? Psalm 115, verse 16. What does the Bible say? Psalm 115, verse 16. Oh, you're wondering the answer to that question from Matthew, whatever your neighbor told you. So Psalm 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Listen to me. When you understand such scriptures, you understand one, why it's necessary to pray, two, why it's necessary to act. Someone would say, if God is good and God is there, why are all these things happening to earth? The earth has been given to the children of men. Why is there war on earth? The earth has been given to the children of men. And because most men have not known the Lord. Have you noticed that most wars have to do with dominion? It's all about this is my land. No, this is my land. No, this is my land. I will shoot you. No, I will shoot you. Why do you have those weapons in your land? I'm bigger than you. I should have the weapons. You shouldn't have the weapons. No, 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 no. Before you know it, boo, 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 boo. what's up? It, it. Man has always known that the earth is his. Why is the earth getting destroyed? Man, fair, it's man. Who's polluted the earth? It's man. Who's polluted the internet? It's man. Why are there all those silly websites on the internet? It's man. Why are, why are a lot of marriages failing? Man. 
People have not been trained how to live well together. Other people have not been trained how to not interfere with other people's marriages. Others have not been trained how to look out, how to not look outside for what they already have. It's man. So the heavens are the Lord's. So I, I, I don't know why you're trying to conquer heaven. The heavens are the Lord's. The earth he has given to the children of men. Listen to me. Listen, we await the return of the Lord Jesus. We want him to come. We want him to come quickly. We want the new heaven. We want the new earth. But I'll tell you, He's not coming back for a week. A weak church that's barely managing. He's coming back for a victorious bride. One that looks like him. One that when he looks at you, he will say, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. This one is just like me. He's coming back for dominators. Glory to God. And haven't you seen, even in the scriptures, we are told, that the message of the kingdom will be preached in all nations. Then the end will come. The end will only come when this message of the kingdom is preached in all nations. Oh. Let me not get into next week's sermon. Final scripture. Final two scriptures. Psalm 27 verse 13. These are just an introduction for next week. I've shown you how the mountain experience is like. Then I've told you that Peter wanted to live on the mountain. But the work that was there to do was on earth. I know there are people here who've told themselves, Oh, I can't wait for COL to have its own building. I'll be spending 23 hours of my day at church. I'll be kicking you out. You've got a world to dominate. be spending doing what? There's a world to dominate. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory. Tell your neighbor, there is an earth to dominate. Okay. Psalm 27 verse 13. Look at this. I would have lost heart. Tell, tell your neighbor, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Tell them, don't be troubled. Tell another one, cheer up. Don't be troubled. High five. Here is to not be in trouble, eh? Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. You all want high fives. Oh my goodness. Okay, come, come. This is the last high five. The rest of you, next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, don't be troubled. It says, now look at this. It says, I would have not lost heart. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Now, hide it for a while. Think about this. Many of us have been trained to believe that we suffer here on earth and then we'll see God's goodness in heaven. If that's your mindset, you lose heart here on earth. Look at what it says. I would have lost heart unless I believed. Unless I had believed 
that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Don't lose heart. Listen to me. You are going to see God's goodness here on earth. Don't lose heart. I prophesy in your life, you will see God's goodness here on earth. You will not say God is good only in heaven. You will see his goodness here on earth. God's desire has always been heaven on earth. You will experience the goodness of God here on earth. So he says, I would have lost heart. Tell your neighbor, I refuse to lose heart. I will see God's goodness in the land of the living. Hallelujah! Oh. Stop admiring the grave. The grave is not your portion. Yours is the land of the living. And you shall see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I speak to you. That will to live. I know the greatest, one of the greatest challenges in this period is many people are losing their will to live. I speak life into those bones. I speak flesh. Suddenly you are planning again. Suddenly you are hopeful again. Your faith is lifted. Receive strength in your inner man. In the name of Jesus. And your plans are working out. You are seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living. You are seeing the goodness of God in the land of your university. Come on. <laughs> you are seeing the goodness of God in the land of Lusaka. You are seeing the goodness of God in the land of Zambia. Glory. Let's go on. What am I trying to say from this scripture? That you've got an assignment and it has to do with the land of the living. It has to do with the land of the living. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need you here in the land of the living. Don't go anywhere. Turn to someone, none of you is dying. We need you here in the land of the living. Okay, hold your neighbor's hand and say, I speak life to you. Tell another one, I speak life to you. Okay, final scripture. I want you to see this. Mark 10 from verse 29. Someone may say, Apostle, you don't know the challenges I'm facing. He moves mountains. the living glory to God okay you won't need those miracles in heaven we need them here <laughs> hallelujah oh glory 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 and your time in, in heaven you will enter as a hero they will come and ask you how did you stay hopeful the angels will be like what is it like to trust God with everything in you your heart and you say sit down let me tell you a story <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> and you tell them when the... I was going to say when the doctor said no but I don't offend any doctors when the diagnosis said no <laughs> hallelujah 
Okay, so now verse 28. Look at this. Peter said, We have left all and followed you. What did Jesus say? Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has never left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Hold on. It means, listen to me, we may not all have the same story. That's why, you know, sometimes I am very careful even with how I preach. Eh? I'll tell you why. Not everyone, it's very easy for me to, it can be very easy for me to stand here and say, hey, you call yourself a preacher. You're preaching to other people you've never preached to your family. It's very easy for me to say that just because my mother and sister are part of this church. Not everyone has had that story. <laughs> there are others who this very gospel. There are others who would be closer to their parents right now. But because they've believed the gospel, their parents don't like that. That's why I'm saying you have to be careful what you say sometimes. You don't know who's going through what. There are others who this very gospel is the reason someone fired them because they refused to sleep with that person. There are others who this very gospel is the reason they gave up something. Maybe they, they just couldn't go to another place for a while because they knew they needed to grow. There are others who asked baptizing them yesterday was an offense. Biggest thing. You know, sometimes, I, I really don't mean to speak against anyone, but sometimes some parents shock me. I think they just don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if some parents know how their children used to sneak out of the house and go to my places. Now that they're asking for permission to come for overnights. I'm telling you, some of the strictest houses, they, don't, they just don't know how their daughters, who they love so much, would find a way out of the window. I don't even know how. They've gotten saved now. They're coming to church. Don't make it difficult for them. Just advise them. Maybe where they're not being wise, advise them. Give them wisdom. But don't let them think as though their faith is an issue to you. <laughs> if people knew, if people knew, they would appreciate us more. I've had cases where people tell their children, I hate that man, I hate your pastor. And I say, Lord, I forgive them. They just don't know. They don't know where their child was before we met. So that's why I'm saying it's very easy to stand and say, hey, if your family, this, 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 and that, but let me, let me be honest with you, it's not always the case. There are some circumstances where there are people who for them to be a pastor, their family has mocked them and have, have removed them from sponsorship from school and have done all sorts of things. You may be listening to me and you're not, maybe you've not had the experience I've had where my family has gladly accepted. Listen to me, great is your reward. Great is your reward. Don't hate your family. Love them. They just don't understand. They've just not seen what you've seen. So just love them. Don't change your conduct. Keep being good. Keep praying for them. Keep being a solution in their life. I declare one day they will pray to your God. One day they will love your God. In Jesus' name.
So he says, assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife. Some of you here had to give up relationships as in you were in love with a guy. But you knew that that relationship was keeping you away from God. Maybe it was sinful. But my feelings, you had them. Serious feelings. Serious ones. Well, when you look at the feelings, they even have a straight face. Very serious feelings. <laughs> What's wrong with me sometimes, eh? <laughs> so, like right now, I'm imagining feelings with a straight face. <laughs> great is your reward. There are some people here, maybe before you came to this church, you are maybe at a more traditional setup, and you, don't, you knew that was not for you. And that's where you grew up from. You've got so many friends there. Some people here, you had to give up sentiment to follow God. Don't think he's not watching. Don't think he doesn't see. Some people, you had to give up places you value to be in this church. Don't think he's not watching. And he says, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. If, so meaning the only qualification for any of those things is if, 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 is if you're leaving them for the sake of the gospel. It's for the gospel. Nothing else. Eh? Go on. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time? Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. That's the only thing to come with persecution. And in the age to come eternal life. I want you to see something from this scripture. He says, there's no one who's left any of those things who will not receive now in this time. Although he explains that as God blesses you in this time, you'll be persecuted. Eh? That's the only thing. Meaning some people will hate you for the gospel. And he says, and in the age to come, eternal life. The trouble is that we only focus on the age to come. But have you noticed he says, there's no one who will not receive a hundredfold now. So meaning there's something for you now. There's something for you in this time. There's something for you in the land of the living. Listen to me, you may have lost hope. Maybe because you messed up. Maybe because things have been messed up around you. I'm here to tell you. The fact that you woke up this morning. That's a sign. That God still has plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I believe that future begins now. Hallelujah. There is still hope for you. Glory to God. Oh, you are alive to fight another day. Glory to God. And I'm telling you, that season of fighting is coming to an end. I prophesy to you, it's your time of rest. It's your time of rest. There's someone who needs to rest a little. I decree and declare over your life, rest in Jesus' name. I declare peace be still. Not peace as the world gives, but peace as Jesus gives. So I'm here to tell you that this gospel we are preaching is not just going to be relevant the day you go into the sweet by and by. This gospel is relevant now. It causes you to dominate now in this land of the living.
Amen. Halleluja. Amen.